This time on episode 306 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we'll be discussing Cloak and Dagger Season 1, Episode 7, Lotus Eaters, and Season 1, Episode 8, Ghost Stories. We'll be discussing weekly Marvel news and your feedback. I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director SP. And I'm Agent Haley. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Sunday, November 3rd, 2019, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast worldwide via www.geeks.live. Come in and join our live chat and respond with us as we record. Haley, happy National Sandwich Day. So I'm vegan now, so that's not a thing that I celebrate a bunch. A sandwich doesn't necessarily have to have meat in it, though. Yeah, but it usually has like a standard sandwich is like meat and cheese and bread. And then a lot of breads have either milk or eggs or both in them. Okay. Well, here's another question for you. Is a mm. hamburger a sandwich? No. Okay. No, it's not. But I did have a vegan burger today that was very good. Oh, nice. Well, so you can have a sandwich that is vegan. But I just said a burger is not a sandwich. Right. But you can't. I mean, okay, take the burger out, but you can have a vegan sandwich. <laughs> I'm not saying sandwich. it can't be done. I'm just saying it's not easy. Okay. Well, for everybody else who is celebrating, a normal sandwich. Congratulations. It's National Sandwich Day. I hope you have enjoyed your sandwich today. I did have a sandwich earlier today. Although, you know what? Going vegan is more and more interesting to me, so I should look into that at some point. All right. Okay. Anyway, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming up on its last season in the summer of 2020. The multiple Marvel small screen series alike Cloak and Dagger, which we'll be talking about today, and the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes in general. Because of even more daddy issues. If you'd like to talk to us about all your parental issues that you have, you can check out our contact information on our website, legendsofshield.com. If you'd like to talk to us about all the ways that daddy issues have come up in the MCU, you can send us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844 844- 843-2871. You can contact the ladies of Legends of Shield on our Facebook page at Legends of Shield Podcast and tell us all about your parental and daddy issues. You can find us on Twitter to tweet us memes about the daddy issues in the MCU at Legends of Shield. You can comment on our videos on our YouTube channel about all the daddy issues at youtube.com slash gonna geek. And you can tell your Amazon devices to enable Legends of Shield skill. 
If you want to chat with us and all of the listeners in general about MCU daddy or parental issues, you can join our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. Michelle's taking care of other business today, so she won't be here with us. And Agent Lauren is recovering from a trip that she just had, so she plans to be back with us next week. But all you get with us this week is Haley and myself, and I'm sure we will astound you with our brilliance about the Cloak & Dagger episodes. So brilliant. Cloak and Dagger aired Lotus Eaters and Ghost Stories on Freeform on July 12th, 2018 and July 19th, 2018. And Haley, why don't you run down the creative team from Lotus Eaters? All right. Lotus Eaters was directed by Paul Edwards. He has 39 directing credits starting in 2001. Those credits include three episodes of Heroes, one of Pushing Daisies, one of Battlestar Galactica, three of Fringe, ten of Lost, three of Once Upon a Time, one of Supernatural, one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., three of Gotham, and this episode of Cloak and & Dacker. And it was written by Joe Pekaski, who has eight writing credits starting in 2006, including eight of Heroes, two of Daredevil, 16 of Underground, and seven of Cloak & Dagger. Also written by Peter Calloway, who has seven writing credits starting in 2007. Those credits include four episodes of Brothers and Sisters, six Under the Dome, two of Legion, one of American Gods, and five of Cloak and Dagger. I got to say, I'm looking at this list of creative team for Lotus Eaters, and I'm impressed. Paul Edwards, look at the amazing list that he has. Joe Pekaski, he's the showrunner for Cloak and Dagger, or was the showrunner for Cloak and Dagger. It is now canceled. We ran down that news last week. And then Peter Calloway, so this was a great creative team behind that, and I'm glad it was because we'll discuss it in a second. It was a great episode. Mm-hmm. Following Lotus Eaters, we also watched for this week the episode Ghost Stories. It was directed by Alex Garcia Lopez, who has 17 directing credits, which started in 2008, including three episodes of Misfits, three episodes of Utopia, three episodes of Residue, One episode of Fear the Walking Dead, which I watched the first season of. It was okay. I wanted to see the origin of The Walking Dead again. And, well, we can talk about that in another time. One episode of Luke Cage, two episodes of Cloak and Dagger, two episodes of Daredevil, one episode of The Punisher, one episode of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, two episodes of The Witcher, coming up soon here, two episodes of Cowboy Bebop, which we have discussed before on this show. Ghost Stories was also written by Christine Boylan, who has 10 writing credits starting in 2008, including six episodes of Leverage, one episode of Castle, five episodes of Once Upon a Time, two episodes of one of Michelle's favorite shows, Constantine, two episodes of Cloak and Dagger, and two episodes of The Punisher. It was also written by Jenny Klein, who has seven writing credits starting in 2010, including six episodes of Supernatural, one episodes of Jessica Jones. Two episodes of Cloak and Dagger, two episodes of Sacred Lies, one episode of The Witcher. By the way, Cloak and Dagger is based on the Marvel comics by the same name, created by Bill Mantlo and N. Hannigan. All right, Haley, we've got a lot going on. Normally, we start 
talking about the episodes in relation to the titles, which we hope are clues to the theme of the episode. So we're going to start with Lotus Eaters. What is your take on Lotus Eaters as a theme? I'm not sure if I know where this title comes from. I feel like it probably does have so much deeper meaning if I knew what it was, but I don't. So neither do I. And unfortunately, Lauren or Michelle, who probably know are not here. I think it had something to do with like the terrors on the rig. I'm thinking I think that's probably true. So I'm just going to go with that and I'm going to do a quick Google search anyways. Okay. Oh, hey, this is a Greek mythology thing. They were a race of people living on an island dominated by lotus plants. And the lotus fruits and flowers were the primary food of the island and were a narcotic, causing the inhabitants to sleep in peaceful apathy. So I believe in this case, Ivan would be the lotus eater. He would. I was a little bit unsure we'll have to get into it later but i was a little bit unsure why he was not affected in everybody else but like i said we'll talk about that a little bit later let's move on to the next episode ghost stories what do you think the theme of that episode was so this one is much easier tandy and tyrone are both kind of finally getting their vengeance for the people they lost on the night they got their powers so we see tyrone getting vengeance for his brother by haunting the detective and we see tandy getting vengeance for her father by going after the Roxxon CEO, whose name I do not remember, and both of them using the ghosts of the people they lost to get that vengeance. The CEO, by the way, is Peter Scarborough. He comes up there you go. quite a bit in the second episode, including Tandy holding him at Dairy Point and then making a deal with him later. There is a lot going on in these two episodes. I really enjoyed the two episodes. Did you enjoy the two episodes? Yes, I did. I think the show is getting better as it goes on. I think it was phenomenal. And I'm kind of wondering what the next two episodes are going to bring. Probably springboarding on what we saw at the end of Ghost Stories, which was just terrible. You knew it was coming to and just to see it in as in grotesque a manner. It was just, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, let's start with Lotus Eaters. We have both Tandy and Tyrone who have had dual powers which are connected to each other because when they use them they bring them back and forth but i think correct me if i'm wrong Haley. this is the first time they use their powers together yes okay and what they did was tandy manipulated in her own words i don't think it was that bad but she said manipulated tyrone to come to see ivan and they were both touching ivan at the same time enabling them to reach into his mind And he is catatonic and it was weird in his mind because he did not remember anything. Well, it's not that he didn't remember anything. It's that he only remembered what was happening in those few minutes that he was in a loop on. So everything that happened before that he had just lost because he lived those few minutes for who knows how long because time was obviously not passing at the same amount of time as we saw later when Tyrone went out and then went back in to see Tandy. So maybe hundreds of years that he's experiencing those same few minutes of time. And that's why he can't remember anything that happened before. Based on Tandy's experience. Wow. That's just a lot that happens in just a few seconds when you're on the outside. It's amazing. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the Tron universe where you don't really know how many cycles are going on in the inside versus Mm -hmm. what's going on in the outside. 
what was interesting to me is you had the time lapse, this Groundhog Day sort of thing going on. It just was a little bit different than other stories, other series that have done time loop episodes like Stargate or Star Trek, or I'm sure there's been a few in Doctor Who, not just one. And this just didn't seem the same. It definitely seemed to me like everybody was getting lost and just trying to find their way. It, it just it was a little bit different. You know, is it just my perception of that, or was it different to you as well? Well, a lot of times when we see a time loop story, like the people gain knowledge as they go through each loop. And it helps them, you know, solve the other problems that are going to come up along the way. That wasn't what we saw with this one. It was really just a loop they were trapped in. And they knew how to solve it. They just didn't until the very end when they were like, Ivan has to be the one to do this on his own. And he's never been able to do it on his own before. And now we can help him do it. And also we saw that the crew in the core, they turned into terrors, basically. Ivan's words there. They turned right. into terrors, which is the effect of the energy which they have tapped into, basically, that nobody understands. Nobody knows wh exactly what it is, but it turns everybody into terrors. So all the workers were trying to kill each other and then kill Ivan in the process. So Ivan couldn't get to the core and do what he thought what needed to be done, which was press the red kill switch. It's always a big red button, right? And then turn off the three or four valves that needed to be turned off. And he could just not get past any of them because he's not a fighter. And he really didn't, he didn't learn along the way. Like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, he learned to get better. Ivan just kind of sat there and survived the entire time, which I guess is the danger of, of a time loop. If you don't actually try, then you're just going to sit there and do nothing. Well, and he might not have been capable of succeeding on his own. He didn't have the resources he needed in any of his previous cycles to be able to succeed because he couldn't physically get past the chain girl and other dude or whatever their names were. Did girl have the chain or did she have an ax? I thought she had an ax. Oh, it was ax girl and chain guy. Those weren't the names. I watched it earlier this morning. I didn't take notes. I don't remember what the exact names he gave them were. And then there was a crispy guy. What was his name? Monsieur Flamboy. Monsieur Flamboy. Yes. That name I remembered. Which I don't remember seeing him in too many of the fights. But anyway, so these people are trying to kill him and he doesn't try to do anything. But once Tyrone and Tandy are there, not only are they extra assets to use, but they have powers and they have started to learn how to fight. So they're able to get through the terrors, which is pretty much what happens. So eventually they do it. But along the way, Tandy gets lost because Tandy's talking to her dad, who she sorely misses. She idolizes dad. And she wants to talk to him and she just gets lost in, in this phone call, knowing, in, in my opinion, from the beginning, knowing that it's not real, but she gets into it anyway. And then what's kind of weird is by the end, they're having a conversation just like normal. It's, mm -hmm. it's divided by the time loop, but right. after the first sentence, they start talking again, like, okay, where did I leave off? So they have another, I don't know, minute and a half or two minutes worth of talk that they can get through. Yeah. And Tyrone admits that he, in a similar situation, if he's talking to Billy, he probably would have ended up that way too. Even though he said he didn't at the beginning, he admits to it by the end, which leads to him 
getting the tape recorder out later, which is kind of interesting. So we're podcasting, right? So if we ever have kids down the line, or you ever have kids, I do have kids or grandkids, and they want to see what grandpa or mom sounded like when she was younger, they can get these on YouTube and they can listen to them or whatever. He did not have that except for the tape recorder. I actually have a similar situation where my grandmother and my uncle, who have long since passed away, they were on a Fisher-Price tape recorder that my sister got for Christmas one year. And I taped during the Christmas festivities, them talking back and forth. It's the only known recording I know of of their voices, which is is pretty cool when it gets to that. But in any event, uh, not knowing what the voice of somebody that you loved and you've lost, it is definitely something you think about later, years down the road. You're like, I don't remember what they sound like. I don't remember what they look like sort of thing. But you have pictures for that nowadays. But Well, and we see that kind of comes back in the next episode where this cop doesn't really remember what the kid he shot looks like when Tyrone is pretending to be him. You know, the image he has in his mind filtered through the period of 10 years. Like he doesn't, he doesn't really remember what this kid looked like. He's just kind of haunted by this thing he's done. So Tyrone's able to use that against him. It is eight years, but yeah, eight, 10 years. Yeah. Eight, 10. Same thing. Rounding. One thing that I loved in this episode is we finally get the rig explosion explained. It's been a mystery since day one. We finally get it explained and it's from the culpability of Roxxon. So you want to explain what happened there? Well, we actually saw a little bit of this in our discussions last week. Roxxon has engineers and scientists and people that know what they're doing. And they also have business people who are making business decisions for financial reasons. And we saw last week where you know, one random guy on the site who doesn't understand the science or the engineering or whatever's going on decided, oh, we would save money and time if we moved this thing, this pump 10 feet over and we didn't have to deal with that crane situation or whatever. And it's like, well, you don't know what you're doing. The person who knows what they're doing told you to put it in a specific place for a reason. And because you did it wrong, you caused problems. Well, this is a thing that's happened more than once with Roxxon. Somebody who didn't know what they were doing decided that the heat shielding was an extra cost that they didn't want to incur, and they would save money if they didn't have it. And it was probably coming from someone who's been an oil executive for decades and was like, well, we've never had to have this before. Why do we need it now? Some engineer is just being overly cautious. We're going to get rid of that, and we're going to save money, and everything's going to be fine. And it's because they're making a business decision and not thinking about what the possible consequences would be or consulting the people they need to consult who would know what those consequences are what happens is the heat shielding which nathan bowen and ivan Hess both really fought for in this instance doesn't get delivered is not going to get delivered and the explosion happens this particular day because of it and it was explained so now we know why it explodes we still don't know what this energy substance is specifically but we know Mm -hmm. that it causes excessive heat they talked about the temperature of the drill area going up and down as they go down through it through the different layers yeah we do know they don't understand it and they're like we're still going to use it right we're going to try to harness it even though we don't know if we can harness it as typical corporations so we also know they knew it would cause problems if it came into contact with other humans they knew that was a thing that could happen 
that's what the memo specifically stated. Ah. And they let it ride anyway without anybody in like hazmat suits or anything. Great. I just want to point out that since we're big foodies on this podcast, or at least we pretend to be from time to time, that a cookie is what really saved the day. Cookies always save the day. And apparently cardamom is a secret ingredient. I don't think I have ever consciously used cardamom as a cooking ingredient. I'm going to have to look into that. I don't cook. (laughs) I see. You know, you're an engineer, Haley. You should actually brew your own beer. I've been going to breweries all day, so that's not a terrible idea. (laughs) There you go. Let's move on to ghost stories. And with ghost stories, I want to say specifically that the young actor, Shine, we've talked about him before, at least I have, and I just want to go through them. So young Tyrone is played by Makio Smedley, and young Tandy is played by Rachel Riles, and young Mina Hess is played by Hannah Harding. So she's not as young as the two others, but she was in the first episode. And I just want to bring out the young actors that played in here. I think they did great. And we get to see more. I get the feeling that all of their scenes were filmed in like a day or something like that. And then they knew what they were going to use. And you can do that given the fact that, you know, you have 10 episodes in a series. Let's just film it all just don't do what how i met your mother did and film all the scenes for 10 years day one because that is a bad idea it's fine if you know like a five season story arc that you're going to tell over the course of five seasons but when you accidentally end up with i don't remember how many seasons that ended up running 10 i can't remember the problem with that show is that it ran too many seasons for the story they originally conceived of And it messed it up. But that's not the show we're talking about right now. I could rant for a while about that. (laughs) Me too. Yes, filming all of the episodes for a season, especially a 10-episode season all at once, that's not as big of a deal because you kind of know, like, point A to point Z, what story you're going to tell. And then you just want to hit certain points along the way. And if it changes a little bit, that's not really going to affect the flashbacks that much, probably. One of the things that I enjoyed was Ivan Hess at the beginning of this episode he started to open up to Tandy. You can hell, you, I, in my opinion, he was still holding back a little bit, but of the stuff that he told Tandy, he was completely open about, including the safety deposit box and the name that it was under Bernoulli for Bernoulli equation. Go figure. At least that's my assessment as an engineer. Yeah. I have no idea what the inside joke is for Bernoulli, but Bernoulli, the Bernoulli effect, by the way, it's what enables planes and helicopters to stay in the air and some time my assessment is that some time in the future the Bernoulli effect is going to be scientifically proven to be false for helicopters and they're all going to drop out of the sky so i hate flying on helicopters i'm a rocket scientist and i know about aerodynamics i get it but i'd still that's funny because i spent the day hanging out with a newish couple one of them is an engineer that works on helicopters and one of them is an engineer that works on rockets So you had a great day at the breweries. Yes, it was actually great. Anyways, she finds a safety deposit box with all sorts of evidence in it, including the memo. And then she decides to go put fear in Peter Scarborough's mind, I guess. I don't know. What was the purpose of going to Peter Scarborough at that point? She infiltrates (sighs) Roxxon. She Mm. cuts up a bunch of servers. To take him hostage. That was the point. But she didn't just let him go. Well, because she was planning on outing him through the press. Why even take him hostage at that point? 
so I don't know that there's actually a reason there. I mean, maybe you could say she wanted to confront her father's, it's not really his killer, but kind of the person who caused his death and then definitely the person who ruined his reputation. She wanted to confront him before finishing the thing she needed, needed to finish. Also because plot. Because they had to give a chance for him to offer her the money. Which she finds out later she takes. So we'll get to that in a second. Simultaneously, you also have something going on with Tyrone. Basically, this episode takes place on the eighth anniversary of the rig explosion, which is also the day that Billy died, which is Tyrone's brother. And you have Tyrone's dad, Tyrone and Billy's dad, wanting the Red Hawks over at his place. I wasn't completely completely sure why he was doing that as well maybe that was because plot as well so i got it as he's never really completely grieved the death of his son he and his wife kind of moved on and moved past that moment but they never fully dealt with it she threw herself into her work he threw himself into something and pulled away from the people he had been with before but because he has reconnected with them lately in trying to help his other son, Tyrone, he felt like this was a day where he needed to be with the people that cared about him and that he cared about to help him through a moment of grief, which he's still dealing with, even though it's been eight years. He is still dealing with that moment. He knows his son is still dealing with that moment. And having those people that care about him around helped him deal with that. I like that explanation. It's a lot more in depth. It makes more sense to me to internalize that versus it was just a way for Tyrone to get the cloak in his hands for what happened that later that night because the cloak is being stored at wherever the Red Hawks are. And in this particular case, you have the event going on at Tyrone's house. So he has the cloak so he can use it later that night. Again, in this episode, also because plot is a big reason why things happen. Because I feel like they haven't done a good job of pacing things out through the season. They have to kind of shove th- some things along in this episode to get to where they need to be. So what Tyrone's plan is, is he's going to use his powers, which he tells O'Reilly and Hugh and Fuchs, excuse me. He tells O'Reilly and Fuchs what his powers are and demonstrates it for him with the cloak. So they are in it. And so he basically uses his likeness to Billy as well as his powers to get Connors to confess on the eighth anniversary. And he's obviously on edge about the anniversary because he tells O'Reilly he's on edge or basically O'Reilly assesses he's on edge because of it. And they're able to get him to confess, which I thought that was bonus, but I just never saw it going anywhere. First of all, we got two episodes left in the season. So I knew that his arrest wasn't going to end anything. And second of all, with all of the corruption in New Orleans, I just didn't see him being able to get away with it and then confessing to it. And he basically confessed to it to begin with, right? He basically said that Billy had a gun. I guess. Yeah. I mean, my thought for especially Fuchs, R.I.P. Fuchs, was historically in these Marvel shows, we only get one good cop and O'Reilly is our good cop. So he's either a bad cop or he's going to end up dead. Up until I saw him actually filming Connors in the doc scene, I was expecting him to, well, us to see a turn on him. And he's actually, you know, just another corrupt cop in this, you know, corrupt police department on the take. And that wasn't the case. So that's nice. But also that means there's only other one road for him to travel down and it ends in a refrigerator. 
Also, for fans of comic books, we saw them fridge the male love interest. So that was nice, right? Equality literally fridged him. You're right. I didn't even think about that when he was found in the, in the refrigerator. I mean, I thought about it while I was talking four seconds ago. Oh, wow. Ugh, that was gross. I'm sure Lauren has a nice long rant about this that we're not getting. So I'm sorry, listener, that you didn't get that moment. But maybe next week. When she comes back, when O'Reilly came into Fuchs's apartment and he wasn't there, but all the groceries were there, I knew it was dead. I knew it was just a matter of finding yeah. him or whatever, but I thought he was going to be shot or stabbed or something like that. And you find him in the bathroom. Oh, no, I knew he was in the fridge because she's looking around. And she can't find him. And she looks at the refrigerator. and I was like, oh, sorry, dude. Sorry <sighs> about your boy, boy. And he was stuffed in there. Oh, my God. Oh, that was go. Gross. Ugh. And I was looking at my refrigerator. I was watching it in my great room, which I could see the refrigerator. I was looking over the refrigerator going, oh, I don't know if I can You're open just thinking, that like, thing wait, again. When is the last time I cleaned out that refrigerator? <laughs> While I'm thinking about it. Which was yesterday, actually. So that was good. good but ugh. there's some smelly stuff in there. Got to get rid of it. Anyway, there was also from O'Reilly before she discovers this, she was riding on the high in the police station. She was smirking at Connors and she made the Misty Knight name drop. So that was cool. Yeah, I was pretty excited about it. It's a shame we'll never see that actual moment of crossover because of what has happened with things, but it's nice to get the mention. And I don't think there's going to be any other talk about that because she mentioned it to Fuchs and Fuchs is gone. So I don't think it's going to come up ever again. This is the more important, I think, for the two kids, at least, is they're on the lake shore and they're going to release a balloon. In this case, it's a lantern, which I think is pretty cool. And they end up touching Melissa, which is Tandy's mom, together. And then they go into a fear, which was basically Nathan was abusive to Melissa. Now, it was only one thing time that we saw but i got the feeling that it was more than just that one time and that's why melissa was turning to alcoholism and drugs yeah i got the sense that it was an ongoing pattern of behavior that she had kind of glossed over in the story of her past that she was telling her daughter so her daughter didn't know about this but that it, it was an ongoing thing and it is what led to her drug abuse and because of that all of a sudden tandy has to deal with the fact that her idolized dad was, in fact, not to be idolized and that it wasn't worth correcting the past and saving his name. So instead of going down that road, which is not going to give them anything, she decides to call Peter Scarborough and take the protection money or whatever you want to call it. Well, also, when we got that memory or slightly after we got the moment between her and her mother where her mother told her that she should never just do anything for other people. Like, always look out for yourself. No one else is going to look out for you. Just take care of yourself. So this whole season so far, we've seen her, her family lost everything when they lost her father's name. So she wanted to salvage her father's name and get back what her family had. Now she doesn't care about salvaging her father's name. So, like, let's just get that money back. And then she put it inside of a statue with a head cut off of it in the church. I just thought that wasn't the safest place for it. But in her world, I don't know if there is a safe place to put that money. Yeah, I mean, especially the way, like, it looks like the head is just going to slide off again. 
like she cut the head at a diagonal instead of straight. So it like it looks like it's going to slide right off. There's nothing holding it there. So do you think she cut the head off or do you yes. think that that was like that? No, I think she cut it with her dagger. Like that's a very clean cut through stone. And we've seen that her daggers are capable of doing that. Like I think she cut it and I think she dug that hole. And this was her plan. By the way, in these episodes, she has discovered how to throw daggers now, which I think is a cool use of her power. Yeah, with a couple hundred cycles in Ivan Hess's mind, she was able to master that ability. That's also, being in that world is what helped Tyrone master his power as well. It's true. It was easier there for mm-hmm. him to do it. So, Training montage. It's funny that you say that. I was watching a sailing YouTube video that I do, and one of the ones that I watch, it's called Sailing or Project Atticus. It's what it's called. The boat is called Atticus. They do an 80s montage when they have a lot of like boat work or chores that they do. Like, oh, cool. It's, it's great that they call it out and then they do it. And anyway, I really enjoyed these two episodes. I think holistically, these two episodes were the best of the season so far. Yes. And I'm looking forward to the penultimate and last episode of this season, which we will talk about next week. I mean, if you had to choose between the two episodes, which one do you think would be your favorite? I think the second one, probably because the first one, Lotus Eaters, is more set up and world building. And then the second episode, Ghost Stories, is where we kind of get some action and resolution. So, yeah, I mean, you need one to get to the other. But the second one is more entertaining to watch. Yeah, I'm glad we watched them back to back. I liked Lotus Eaters a little bit better just because you had all the powers manifest themselves and you had Tandy getting lost and coming back and stuff. But yeah, I I agree. You can't get to the last one without Lotus Eaters. And the last one has a lot of resolution into it. And it also has some open ends, including Fuchs's killer and how Fuchs died and then Tandy with the money. And then Melissa, what's going to happen with her and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, lots of stuff that is still hanging. And we have two episodes to get through it. And then another season before we get to the next season of The Runaways. Any last words about these two episodes? Uh, One other thing to mention, we kind of talked about it a little bit. But O'Reilly talks about how she's seen this thing from before. She's from New York. She should tell you about her friend Misty. It's cool to see them being accepting of people with superpowers and just buying in right away because they live in a world where people with superpowers exist. So I I thought that was nice to see. Yep. And you had the Hulk go through Harlem at one point in time. I think that was referenced in a Luke Cage episode, at least. So there is some tie in loose tie in to the MCU. We, We weren't sure if the Netflix universe was really part of the same MCU universe or not, but We kind of got a loose connection. I was. I did. You weren't. I was more into it. I thought you were one of the ones that were skeptical. Michelle and Lauren are a little bit skeptical then. Anyway, yes, there is some connection between the two, which is good because we will be going through the remainder of the Netflix series at some point in time. Hashtag it's all connected. Next week, we will be connected with Cloak and Dagger Episode 9 of Season 1, Backbreaker, and Episode 10, Colony Collapse. That is the penultimate and final episodes of Season 1. And then the next week, we will get into Season 2 of Cloak and Dagger. In the meantime, we have a couple of news stories that we want to go through.
All right. So our first bit of news comes from Discord. Marvel Studios adds Ant-Man 3 to its slate. Yeah, I saw this in a couple of places, but the first time I saw it was in our Discord. Chris from the GunnaGeek.com show and from All Things Good and Nerdy and from Starling Tribune. He went ahead and posted this in there, and it was basically that Ant-Man 3, according to The Hollywood Reporter, was greenlit for the 2022 timeframe. There are no details about it whatsoever. It's assumed that Paul Rudd is going to go ahead and reprise his role as Ant-Man, and it is going to be helmed by Peyton Reed, who will be back again. So that will be good. And it will be the third installment and it will be squashed amongst the phase five at that point in time, which will be 2022. I'm not sure why they chose to announce it other than there was another announcement this week as well. And they might have just wanted to get ahead of it. I don't know. Right. And that other announcement is probably a release date for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2. And that date is April 8th, 2022. We watched Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse just a couple of months ago for this show. And at the end, there was a post-credit scene where you saw a couple of the spiders getting together, the spider family getting together, like, okay, we need you again, that sort of thing. So you kind of knew that there was an opening to do this again. This will happen on April 8th, 2022. I did not see the first one in the theater. I will see this one in the theater. By the way, it was announced not through Sony, but through their Spider-Verse Twitter account is how they chose to announce it. Basically, not much other than a small graphic, a video, and just the date, April 8th, 2022. I'm going to see this one in the theater as well. I missed the first one, but after seeing it, I definitely want to see the next one. It's hard to tell if the sequel is going to be as good as the original, but I think it's worth it knowing what it is now with the animation style and everything. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So Haley, that's all the news we have this week. And I guess since it's close to Halloween and we just did a ghost stories episode, we're just going to haunt our way out of this. week. Thank you to everybody who continues to download and listen to our show, watch the show on YouTube. We really appreciate it. We're going to be going through the rest of Cloak and Dagger here before we get to the Runaway Season 3, and then we will see what happens after that with Runaways. We have kind of a bet behind the scenes on when we think the Runaways will get canceled, if the Runaways gets canceled. So we'll see about that. But in the meantime, I'm enjoying these shows, and then we'll get back to the Netflix stuff. We'll get back to the last season of Legion and we'll get into the Disney Plus stuff, which starts just in nine days from now. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Thank you to everybody that's listening. To everybody that's listening. I don't know if you listened to me last week or not when I said go out and adopt a black kitten, but I put my money where my mouth was and I did just that and adopted a black kitten. Maybe I'll make sure a picture of that kitten ends up on our Twitter feed or something, and make sure you let me know if you did the same thing for National Black Cat Day. That was a great thing that you did. I got the chance to see the kitten in the pre-show, and kitten had to go bye-bye from the podcast <laughs> room because kitten was being kitten. So yeah, kitten is not podcast ready. 
not yet. And Kitten was uh, quite vocal too, so we might get a meow or two in the uh, in the post credit scenes. We'll see. Anyway, right. until next time, I'm Director SP. And I'm Agent Haley. See you guys next week, hopefully with a full stack of agents as we do the conclusion of Season 1 of Cloak & Dagger. See you guys then. Bye! Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Well, welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., Asami. She's like, I don't want to be on the show. I want to be a producer. So let me adjust these levels for you. <laughs> uh, all the cats have done that. Is Felicity in the room as well? I have not seen her, so probably not. Okay. But no guarantees. How does Asami get along with Felicity? They're getting there. Okay. How about Todd? Todd, she's fine with. It's Sarah's cat that is the problem because Sarah's cat is very hostile to other cats. Even to a kitten. Oh, that's so sad. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. No, get down. <laughs> hey, come here. That was a lot of noise just picking up a little kitten. Mine knocked over a water bottle, too. <laughs> okay. This is not going to work, dude. She's a biter. How? Are those teeth really sharp? Yep. Razor sharp. Have you been uh, cutting her nails, trimming her nails? No. Hey. All right. Dude. 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 <laughs> she really wants to play with mom. Hey. <laughs> it's not going to work. All right. Come on. It's like she wants to be standing on your face. Yes. Where does she sleep? Uh, trying to do the exact same thing. Chewing on my face, chewing on my ears. <laughs> hey. Does she sleep through the night? Nope. Oh, wow. She's purring, I think. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Ow. All right. You're going to go outside for a little bit. Yep. All righty. All right. Well, I hope your uh, brew tours were good. Was was something going on in your town today, or no? Just uh, we started the day uh, with brunch at a brewery, and then my office randomly had requested that we get some stickers from some local breweries for some project they're doing. So I was like, "Oh, hey, let's just go to several breweries." So we did. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2019.